0: And welcome to the Home Lab Show podcast. This is episode number fifty-three, and uh, we got an exciting release here. It's the new Ubuntu twenty-two oh four and LTS. Jay is our resident Ubuntu expert, Um, because as we'll comment, he kind of wrote a book on that, maybe even a couple versions of it. So
1: yeah, a few, yeah, one or two
0: one or two you know there's always new things to write there's always new versions so that's what we wanted to talk about today because april is the release date well is, is the official release tomorrow when's our release party is it tomorrow essentially when they make the big um, announcement
1: yeah it's tomorrow so that's basically how it works every year like give you a date and of course people generally want a time which makes sense to me they want to know when they can download it and I've seen it as early as like 10 in the morning, Eastern time, all the way up to like um, mid-afternoon, depending on when they get the final ISO images ready. So basically, it's not much of a release party. You go in their IRC or any of their chat rooms, and it's literally just dozens and dozens of people asking, is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? Yeah. <laughs> and the developers are saying, no, 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 <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> and then eventually it is. And then they put out the release announcements. So um, yeah, tomorrow's the release date, which could happen... Early in the morning, Easter time, afternoon, I'll be watching, but it'll yeah. be
0: tomorrow. Now, in one extra piece of errata we want to cover here, and we I want to put it at the beginning, is we and Jay will be having the Home Lab show uh, live at PenguinCon. And that's going to be just a couple days. It falls on, I should have the date pulled up, but it's Saturday, the 22nd of April. So, April 22, 22, uh, we're going to be doing a special version. Hopefully the internet and everything at the uh, event will allow us to do the show live. Worst cases, we'll just have to record it and post it later. Uh, But If anyone's going to be in at PenguinCon this year, I know we probably should have announced sooner that we were going there, but we've tweeted about it. We've talked about it. People that kind of follow us know that we've uh, attended PenguinCon in the past. So it's, it's a weird sci-fi literature and Linux convention and open source rolled into one crazy thing. It happens here in the Detroit area. So
1: Yep. So, you know, every time I've been there, I've never been able to get a Wi-Fi signal. Oh, someone said I got the
0: date wrong. I will admit real quick. So, yes, it's April 23rd, Uh, uh, Saturday. So, yes. So, we'll be doing a Saturday edition, provided the Internet stays up. Sometimes at conventions with lots of people, Internet. So I feel like there's a very just to be honest on my part. I mean, that
1: would be great if we could do it live on YouTube there. but. I mean, I've never had good luck with their internet. So my opinion is that we'll try, but yeah. more than likely we'll be posting it because I, I hate to be a um, you know pessimist about this, but <laughs> given pre, you know past experience, there's going to be, be a probably a little difficult to do it live from there. So I guess it's live in person maybe live yeah. on youtube we don't know
0: that yet, yeah yeah so. i can't make guarantees on it so all right now that we yeah. got that out of the way let's get the show started yep. and uh we'll start that by thanking the sponsor of the show that is linode they've been a sponsor for a while and if you went to our site today and it was down it's dns because it's always dns it has nothing to do with linode. and we were just talking before we started the show about moving to D- linode dns yep. there's a much bigger reason we're not uh, at the moment. And it's not even a good reason. So uh, yeah. watch me off the cliff on a lot of things. <laughs> and Did you realize of... it's
1: um we're on episode number 53 and we're talking about DNS?
0: Oh man. <laughs> this is the episode that should have been about DNS. Yeah. Episodes yes. align with port numbers. But you can not only host DNS with Linode, by the way, which is really convenient. You can also host all your applications, such as the Home Lab show. The good news is the site was up, it was working, and if you had static DNS entries entered, it worked great. If you did not, sorry for the inconvenience, it was down for a couple hours last night.
1: But, and I was just telling Tom before we started recording, maybe we should move the DNS for that yeah. domain to Linode, and maybe we wouldn't have this problem because you know Linode is not the... DNS, we're using for that particular site right yeah. now. So, yeah, so it, we won't throw
0: any shade at Linode for any of the problems, but we do want to thank them as a sponsor. And many of the projects and things we talk about on this show can absolutely be run on load. Maybe they're even ideal to be run in Linode because not everything has to run inside your home lab. Uh, sometimes you need something external facing because you want the public to hit it. And you don't necessarily always want them hitting up your public IP address. So, thanks, Linode, for sponsoring. There's an offer code to get you started with Linode. So, head over to linode.com slash the home lab show. And thanks. Now, let's talk about Ubuntu.
1: Yep, Ubuntu 2204 LTS. And the codename is Jemmy Jellyfish, which is probably my favorite codename. I mean, they just like so it cool. Yeah, I like it a lot. So there's a lot of different directions to go with this conversation because I'm very mixed about my opinion on this. And I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. There's some good, obviously. um, There's some like head scratching moments with this release that I want to get into. Um, Well, first of all, I want to start with LTS. Um, I'm not talking about the initials for your um, company. Oh, I'm talking about about me. Yeah, (laughs) long-term support. So, one misconception I want to get out of the way first is that everyone. Thinks that you get five years of support with LTS, which is true on servers specifically. Desktops are three years. A lot of people don't know that, so I just wanted to get that out there, um, which is I interesting. I that,
0: so I'm glad you clarified that. I, I admittedly misquoted it in a video a long time ago, but the video I didn't—I ta- should take down because it's old. <laughs>
1: I would say in in my best guess, like 80% of people don't know that they, they read five years of support, then they stop or the, or the, it just doesn't mention anything more than that. But what's interesting about this is that even though the desktop edition gets three years of support, um, it's not like they're checking to see if you've installed from the desktop ISO and then withholding updates later. Like it's just kind of confusing a little bit, but, um, But yeah, anyway, it comes out tomorrow as of the time we're recording this. It's going to be the 21st is the date that it's supposed to be out. Again, we don't know the exact time. And I'm going to talk about the server edition, obviously, because that's going to be something that um, is of special interest to the people listening. And also the desktop version as well, because maybe people are running that on their desktop or they might want to run that on their desktop. So... I'm I'm still evaluating the new version of Ubuntu server. I've spent a lot of time with it, but I'm also, and I guess I'm going to reveal something right now, writing a new edition of my book about it. So I am diving in. I am still learning new things. So there's going to be some things that I'll learn later. But one of the things that I was really looking at here was whether or not ZFS was going to finally lose the experimental heading that it's been using for, was it 16.04? I think it was 16.04 was the first release. Yeah. Um, So I can tell you that at least as of today, if I use the daily build of the desktop version, I don't see experimental uh, alongside ZFS anymore. Now that doesn't mean that they won't put that experimental heading back in there at the last minute, but that was promising. So when I go to the server version and I literally did this like, 30 minutes before we hit the record button on this, because I wanted to make sure that I was completely up to date. And the ISO images that they have out right now are possibly final. Assuming that there's no bugs or anything, they're saying that these are the last images that they'll make until they do a point release. So barring any you know, last minute changes, the server ISO image that I downloaded this morning has a pretty good chance of being the last one. And ZFS is not an option at all. Like you can't even choose it like I looked all over for it I cannot find it like you have an LVm option you have a custom partitioning option in there you do not have a ZFS option really the desktop version does now I don't I like I said I'm still kind of exploring this a bit and I I need to look at the you know message boards and news groups and things and kind of find out what's going on here because we don't have the release notes yet they'll release the release notes tomorrow but as of today, I could tell you that unless I'm completely blind, there's no ZFS option on the server version, and that has me very perplexed because they're all about ZFS. They've been talking about it for a long time. They've removed the experimental heading from the desktop version, but the server version doesn't even have it. Weird. It's very weird. So I don't know what to make of this yet. It's still you know, pending. So that's maybe something we'll follow up on in a future episode. Maybe even at PenguinCon we'll mention that because, you know, maybe by then I'll get my answer. But I just wanted to mention that because that just just, is so weird to me. It seems like desktops are going to benefit from CFS to a point, assuming you have like, you know, really good hardware. But um, servers, I I would argue, would probably want that more. I don't know. I'll
0: look into it more. I feel that way too. But I guess as long as you can add it, it may not be your boot device. Right. But maybe you set it. It's easier to set up. Uh, in the, hopefully easier to set up in a new version as a storage pool option, uh, for your data store where you're going to put wherever critical data, databases, and things like that on there.
1: Yeah. Previous releases of Ubuntu, if you chose DFS at least on the desktop, it would take a snapshot before you update, which is great because that way, um, I mean, how many problems in Linux would be solved by something like this? For example, think about Arch Linux. If it had ZFS snapshots or some other kind of built-in snapshot system and you know how Arch Linux is you, you know it's a great distro every now and then there, there could be an update that could cause some problems and how cool would it be to just roll it back as if you never did the update and Ubuntu on the desktop gave us that and I haven't had a chance to test that yet on the desktop version because I'm still also doing the review that I'm going to be releasing tomorrow but that's a real benefit, though. if you think about it, ZFS snapshots is a huge benefit for servers if that's something that you could take advantage of.
0: Yeah, um, someone mentioned, and I don't think this is the case anymore since they've moved everything to like the open ZFS, but there may be a licensing concern, but I think those licensing concerns with the Open ZFS have, are mostly gone now because um, FreeBSD oh, uses ZFS, but then everything is migrated to the I'm not an expert on this particular topic, right. but I believe I understand that everything's moved to Open ZFS now.
1: Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I went on the OpenZFS page this morning when I started looking into why it might not be there on the server version. And it doesn't say why, but as of today, the OpenZFS page for Ubuntu 2204 says that, you know, because they have like pages for distributions if you want to take advantage of OpenZFS. So if you choose the Ubuntu 2204 option, they say, don't use a server version of the ISO image. They literally call out like you can't use that if you want to set up zfs on 2204 they literally tell you don't use the server edition what so again that's just kind of um interesting so um other than that there's um there's not a whole lot of changes in the server version there is one more that i've noticed and it's the minimal mode is built in to the installer for the server version but I don't think we can confuse that with the mini .iso. Uh, many some people might remember previous versions of Ubuntu Server had the mini .iso that had this ridiculous. It's like a ridiculous download size of like 50 megabytes. I think at one point the ISO might have hit 75 megabytes. And I did say megabytes. I'm not misquoting here. Um, it was this ridiculously small image for Ubuntu Server. You can download that gives you a very bare bones Ubuntu Server installation. I've always liked that because I didn't like all the bells and whistles that they throw in there. And they pretty much, they, they've sunsetted that, unfortunately, and I couldn't find it for this release either. Huh. But when you install Ubuntu server with the ISO image for this version, it has a minimal option right there in the selection. Now, it might be a last minute bug, but I chose that this morning thinking that maybe that's the equivalent of the mini ISO. Um, it had a four gig install size for the minimal version. I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's minimal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that doesn't seem very minimal to me. So it could be an error where it where I chose you know the minimal mode and it didn't give me the minimal mode, but I'm again still looking into that. But that is a uh, something you'll see in the installer when you go to install it. Other than that, though, the Ubuntu server version has all the updated packages you would expect it to have. But that's about it. So I think the desktop version is going to be probably a a big portion of what we're going to talk about today. Because if this was the Ubuntu server episode, episode over, done. Let's move yeah. on. Because there's also... else to talk about.
0: <laughs> well, you know, but we're we're kind of happy with minimal changes in the server. So there's not right. too much going on. Uh, because if you want to update, granted, you're going to be coming off of a several years back. So these updates are. I, I guess it depends on where you compared updates. Are we comparing updates to 2110 compared to, right. or are we going all the way back to the previous long-term? And by the way, as you mentioned, with a five-year cycle, is someone still on a five-year-old, <laughs> really old system? So to them, it's a big update. So there's a lot of incremental changes. So it kind right. of depends on your perspective from where these changes are, but it's still, it's still a refresh, so there's still that. It's, um, it's going to be interesting. It's weird they dropped the minimal install, but at least they have a mini installer. So that's yeah, that assuming
1: it. that it works the way I think it should, which it'll it'll be interesting. I'm thinking about doing a review of Ubuntu server separate from the desktop version, but I'm thinking that might be a boring review because what am I going to show? Like a blinking cursor and a bash prompt the whole time. Will I review it because there's no GUI? I'm I'm not saying there should be a GUI, but I'm just not sure how exciting an Ubuntu server review will be. I'll I'll think about that off camera and I might decide to find a way to do that. Um, And that'll give me a chance to really dive in. I'm doing the book anyway, so I'm diving into all these things, and I'm going to understand the answers to everything I brought up today for sure by then. Um, The desktop
0: version. Oh God! One question about the other, because yeah. I know the desktop version has this for a little while. Did the server version get a AD uh, setup? I, and I've seen someone ask that in, mm. in the comments, but I don't. I don't really see the use case for that as much. Not for server. Uh, maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm just not understanding that you'd well, want to tie your servers. I understand tying the desktops to it. So you're tying it to your um, Microsoft Active Directory server. But what about the server doing it? I don't Is that something they would add? That seems kind of an I didn't see it. Um, I'm not saying that
1: it's not there. If I would have um, dived in deeper, I didn't see it. Okay. I do agree that there's less of a case for that on the server. However, it, it can be argued that um, in a lot of companies I've worked for, even the system administrators themselves would be in active directory. And when someone that works as a sysadmin wants to get on a server and fix something, they have to have whatever AD group added to their profile to log into the server. So there is a case for that. It may not be as big of one, but it is still something that a lot of companies do. And it would be a good idea for them to add that in. But I wasn't looking for it, but I, I feel like I would have noticed that if I had saw it, though. Um, but we'll see. Maybe don't quote me on that. Um, yeah. I will let you guys know. But the option is definitely there in the desktop version. It's yes. been there for for a few releases now. So yes. it wasn't in 2004, it, but it it was in I think 21. Was it 2110 or 2104? I think it was. I think it was 2104, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds and, right. And yeah, and. So that means it it just missed the last LTS release. So even though this feature isn't new, it's new to a lot of people because if they're coming from 2004, then, you know, they have that option now, whereas they may not have considered the interim releases before that. So it's definitely there in the um, desktop version for sure. So speaking of the desktop version, it's and this is what's gonna come out in my review tomorrow. So I think, uh, cause I'm still doing the review so I could change my mind last minute as I explore it more but I'm pretty pretty final on, on the review. It's the most mixed opinion I've ever had for an Ubuntu release ever in the whole entire history of the project. Um, because there's a lot of good in the desktop release but there's a lot of like, what were they thinking moments that are on there too that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense for an LTS. So I, I think I'm a, at least I try to be a glass half full kind of person as much as I can. So I will just talk about the good things first, and then I'll talk about the things that drive me crazy. So good things, um, GNOME 42, which I'm, I'm a fan of GNOME. So I, I was really happy when Ubuntu switched back to GNOME back in 1804, which was great for me because at the time my daily driver was Ubuntu GNOME. So I kind of felt like it was this moment when they switched back to Gnome that was like, yeah, I guess I made the right choice in using Ubuntu Gnome because that's the direction Ubuntu itself is going anyway. Um, now, there's a lot of people that like Unity and were really sad to see that go back then. But, but they have been fairly good up to recently when it comes to getting Ubuntu back to the old way, which for those that don't know, the way that Ubuntu used to be is they literally created their relate release cycle around gnome so it was like a month after a new version of gnome came out then ubuntu would come out and it was just this one-to-one relationship with gnome that was great and when they went to unity it kind of felt like ubuntu just went into a different direction which is not bad it, they could go in whatever direction they want to go in but when they went back to ubuntu or excuse me when they went back to gnome in 1804 then it's like Now we're getting back to the way Ubuntu used to be, and now we have uh, GNOME 42, which is great. The desktop, um, I'm going to be doing a separate Raspberry Pi review, so that's on my list. But I've read that they've made some sort of patches into GNOME to make it run decently on Raspberry Pi, whereas GNOME generally doesn't. So I'm really curious to run um, the new Ubuntu on a Raspberry Pi and see how performant it is because the previous version was sluggish as heck. On a Raspberry Pi, it was barely usable. (laughs) So um, if they did patch that to make that not an issue anymore, that would be really great. They also added this accent color thing, which has been talked about all over the news, which is really cool because you you could go from light mode, dark mode. And then you could also choose the accent color. Um, they have a whole bunch of different color selections here, which is great because theming in GNOME is basically a travesty. So yeah. I feel like the fact that they did this gives you the ability to personalize your experience without going to gnomelook.org and just hoping that the theme maintainer has updated their themes and didn't break anything in other apps when you uh, side load a theme into GNOME, because that's kind of how it goes. So by Ubuntu adding this, which is custom to Ubuntu, you won't see this into the new Fedora or any other GNOME distro. Um, It's a custom feature in Ubuntu. That's really nice. And I can make the accent color green because I can.
0: That's pretty cool. So you could theme it to the Learn Linux TV channel. And that's that's I think where you're going with that. Well, yeah, (laughs) you can.
1: Kind of. I I don't see an option to come up with your own like hex value for colors. You probably could if you went in the config file, but there's probably something like a dozen or more. I'm just, I haven't didn't count them, but there's a lot of different options. There's even like two or three shades of green, I think. So it's really cool to be able to customize the desktop like that. It's just, um, you know, uh, Gnome is fixing this the right way, but it didn't make this release a Gnome 42. So they're doing their own thing to make this not an issue for everybody. But in the meantime, Ubuntu feels like they could just make it better for everyone right now. And the fact that they did this in an LTS release, that's pretty cool. Um, It was ballsy because, you know, um, generally they don't want to have custom tweaks like that in an LTS release, but they did, and I think it's all the better for it.
0: Yeah, that's um, it, it's interesting because I think of the Linux desktop going back forever ago in its earliest days was very customizable, and it's like yep. we brought it down with Ubuntu to be a very boring, I don't get my uh cool, fancy, wobbly window effects mm-hmm. as easily. You don't I know there's add ons and things like right. that, but I feel like we actually dumbed down the desktop, but maybe that's what it needed to be to, for to grow because a lot of people aren't as excited about wobbly windows as I am. Mm-hmm. So like the, the the people who go, no, I just need to get work done uh, right. can use it, and they want interface consistency. And this is something that, you know, the people who are not directly in tech, the general users, and you look at this with windows, the interface stability um, is a big topic. That's why it's so, upsetting to people when Microsoft has made changes to the desktop to uh, workflows and things like that. The general workers who go, I just want to come in here and do the thing I do. Now they got to figure out where the thing they do is. And uh, so there's something to be said for interface stability and not really surprising it. So,
1: Which is the reason why Ubuntu Mate exists, to be honest, because it kind of keeps that old way going. And it's GNOME in general that kind of removed a lot of customization and (laughs) went I mean, I don't think in the history of using computer or my using computers and and learning about technology, I don't think I've ever seen as drastic of a change between GNOME 2 and GNOME 3. It was such a huge change. Like normally it's a matter of what's changed. Like if you're going from, I don't know, Windows XP to Vista back in the day, right? Um, It's very different, but you still have a start button. You still have a panel. You still have the core concepts. Yeah, Vista was horrible, but it was still recognizable as Windows. But with GNOME, I mean they removed pretty much everything and started over. I mean, it looked completely different, which is why Unity pretty much existed. So throughout the Linux ecosystem, it you know, GNOME changed styles from being very customizable to being the set it and forget it desktop. And um, in here, Ubuntu is you know putting all their new changes into there that um, wasn't there in and of itself. So I feel like they're doing a good thing and a bad thing, which I'll get to the bad reason later, but some of their patches, like triple frame buffer support, they they patched that in to GNOME. That that's not there in GNOME 42. So you could kind of tell that somebody at Canonical is really paying attention to the desktop to make it faster and they're listening to complaints because they made it like really fast. They even, you know, patched the Raspberry Pi version, like I mentioned. So there's a lot of good here. Um but <laughs> now we get to the other side, where why I'm mixed. Because um, I just mentioned that they made a lot of good decisions, but they made some really questionable decisions. And it's really strange that they. I feel like they're looking out for the user in all these tweaks, but they're also not because of the bad side. So when I say it has for, uh, GNOME 42, um, I told the truth, but I also told a lie. It's not really GNOME 42. That's the first problem. I have... I'm dubbing this version of GNOME as implemented in Ubuntu, Franken-Gnome. Not GNOME, it's Franken-Gnome. Because it's a hodgepodge of just all kinds of different versions of the components. Whereas I test Fedora 36, which is coming out next week. Everything is synced to GNOME 42. Everything like you look at the version numbers of the apps, everything I looked at, 42 across the board, it's got GNOME 42. You look at Ubuntu, um, you have like GNOME settings 41 instead of 42. You have GNOME terminal 3.44 instead of the GNOME console that they came out with. You have G Edit, I think it's also version 41 or 3.44 when they switched to a new text editor. Um, uh, Quite a few components are just not at version 42. They're just not. So it's like you have some of GNOME 42 and when you go to the settings screen, so it's kind of funny, you go into GNOME settings, which is GNOME settings 41 and GNOME settings 41 reports your GNOME version as 42. (laughs) You can't make this up. And um, you have these outdated apps everywhere. And the reason why they say that this is the case is because they were really scared to implement GTK4 in the, um, in the LTS release because they didn't feel like it received enough testing, which is interesting because they held back GNOME 40 for a whole release cycle. And then they forced us to be one major version of GNOME behind before this. And now they're complaining that it didn't get enough testing. Well, of course it didn't, you didn't let us test it. You didn't even give us the chance to test it. So why are you guys coming out with interim releases, which you know can be argued they exist to test bleeding edge software leading up to an LTS? So they didn't let us test bleeding edge software leading up to the LTS. And now they're holding it back again by giving us this hodgepodge of weird versions. It just doesn't make any sense to me at all.
0: So if you're not done with your review, Jay, I'm going to say that the comment I seen here is great gnome 41 and three quarters. (laughs) 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 oh my
1: gosh i might i don't know if i have to patch patch that in at this point i think it's a little bit too late at this point because the (laughs) the review is very far along to the point where i'm just doing b-roll and i have to check it against the final release to make sure everything i say is still true but i just call it in the review "Frankenome," and and, um that's exactly what it is it's just a good and bad thing because i feel like their focus on stability is a good thing they're Custom patches are a good thing. Their attention to detail is a good thing. There's attention to detail everywhere. They themed every aspect of the GNOME desktop, but it's just not really GNOME. It's like the, I think it's the Perseus paradox, if I'm saying that right, where, you know, if you replace, I
0: think it's like if you replace the board, all the the parts of the ship before you build it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. At what point does it become a brand new ship? So I think we can argue at what point does Ubuntu 2204's implementation of GNOME? It, when is it its own thing? And when I was looking back at Ubuntu eighteen oh four and Mark Shuttleworth talking about this, the decision was to stop developing a desktop Unity. Right? They they got rid of that. So um, they didn't. He didn't think there's a value in developing their own desktop. So they synced back to GNOME, which is great. They added a panel, which I thought was okay because Unity had a panel, so that would avoid some confusion from users that update. But I feel like they have redeveloped Unity again because they're they're just going all over the place with GNOME. That it's like, what is this actually? Should we just call this GNOME Unity or Unity GNOME at this point? It's just it's, so confusing. I don't even know what to th- how, what to think about this.
0: I I know what I think. I'm going to stay with Papa West. That's my opinion so far. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but
1: then the problem there is is Papa West is going to have the same problem because yes. they're based on GNOME, and they're developing their own desktop environment my understanding is it's not ready yet it's not going to be in the new pop os which i'm pretty sure pop os comes out next week so that's pretty cool but i think this might be i haven't asked them this at system 76 but this might even be why they're doing that because they, they can't even keep up with what ubuntu is doing and they're basing on it then i guess it makes sense to do their own desktop because how else are they going to be in control of that
0: Yeah, no, that makes complete sense, and like you said, there's also a reason the Ubuntu Mate exists and is and why it's so popular. (laughs) Right. So the elephant in the room
1: that I have to talk about is snap packages because you can't even have a conversation about Ubuntu nowadays without that entering the conversation, and you can't even like make a comment anywhere online,
0: anything about
1: somebody saying. Snap packages. And I've seen at least one comment go through the live stream already. So you, you can set your watch to this. You, you say Ubuntu, someone else says snap packages. Um, so snap packages, I feel like, get a lot of unfair criticism because it's a technology that I think is sound in the reason why it exists, because it's a real problem nowadays where... You have a developer, let's just say a developer that makes apps for Windows and Mac OS, and they're kind of thinking about um, Linux, but they're not really sure. And if you think about it, they, they look at Linux and they're like, okay, so let's that's, that's target Linux. What do I got to do? Oh, I got to make an RPM. Wait, how many RPMs? I got to do one for SUSE, Fedora... CentOS. And I have to make a dev package for Debian as well as Ubuntu. And then Arch is its own thing. And nah, I'm good. I'm just not going to do it. And that's kind of the problem that a lot of companies have had. Um, now, obviously, a lot of people will counter argue that my, um, you know, description of the scenario might not be completely valid, but this is their mindset, not mine. This is what they go through. So snap packages and universal packages in general come along because. You know, we want to give developers a way to target the desk, the Linux and you know platform with one thing, but we also have flat packs and app images, so we can never really have one thing, can we? Now, I in some ways um, I'll defend snap packages because they make sense, why they exist, but the problem is they did not fix that slow to start issue. So you click on Firefox. And it takes, the first time, it takes an ungodly amount of time. Like, I was thinking people are over-exaggerating with this. And I literally have a, a part in the video, and I'm giving all kinds of spoilers here, but where I, I have a message, this is not being edited, you know, on the screen while I launch Firefox and then wait for it to come up. And I have an SSD. It's actually an NVMe. There's no reason for it to be that slow. And this isn't a new complaint at all. People have been complaining about this for quite a while. So... I don't understand why Canonical would uh, move Firefox into a snap package if it has a very big flaw that they, they just don't seem to care to address in any way, shape or form. It just doesn't make sense.
0: You know, even some of them, I I think there's times to use them and there's times not to. It seems to do well with some things, but I've run into that same slow problem with Snap. And I've also seen some flat packs, and me and you had discussed this before, where it had trouble doing a USB. Driver talk, wow. was, uh, specifically remember the YubiKey problem. If you installed it via Flatpak, the YubiKey controller was just not working properly. To remove it from Flatpak to a normal packaged install worked perfectly fine. So there's always a little quirkiness with the packaging on there, which leads me to be thinking that we need to focus on a package manager as opposed to all of them so we can make one good one and solve problems with it versus having. More, I mean, I'm all for a diverse ecosystem in some extent, right. but at some point you can't, you know, everyone arguing about them and then them not also not performing well individually, like put all your collectiveness together, figure out which package manager we're gonna do and optimize it so we can have a good user experience with it. And I'll also add a comment because I was doing a Wireshark video uh today, and Wireshark as a flat pack had errors in it that I didn't get. Like when I was connecting with SSH, it gives an error, but doesn't really tell me why it won't work. It's kind of vague. It tells me that the authentication fails, but not why the authentication fails. But doing right. it via the package install works perfectly fine with exactly the same parameters for our authentication into an SSH server. So I've run into some weird issues just in general with some of those package managers and on top yeah. of the slow issue.
1: No, you're right. I mean, there are some uh, some things that need to be fixed. I feel like the a lot of times the issues with snap packages just seem to stand out more because it's got to be upsetting, right? If let's just say you buy a you, you buy a bunch of parts, you're going to build a computer and you bought some really expensive, super powerful parts and this desktop man, this thing is going to be like cruising because it's just so good. Just to launch Firefox and have to wait a long time for it to run on your super fast computer. That just it just makes your even though it's just one app and there's other apps too, but it just makes your system seem slow and that to me is a bad thing and my opinion in this is going to be a little controversial i feel that with um canonical's decision to make firefox a snap package in um the new ubuntu they've killed snap packages there's no hope for it to succeed now they have literally um put it the rest of the way in the coffin and here's why i say that remember um the controversy around butterfs um some years ago yeah yeah So ButterFS has never recovered from that reputation, even though they may have fixed whatever the problem was back then that, um, you know, caused the problem. The thing with the Linux community is that reputation seems to last longer in the Linux community than in any other community other than maybe Star Wars, because let's be honest, we're still complaining about those um, (laughs) other movies like years and years later. But in the Linux community, reputation is everything. So here's the thing you know, Ubuntu puts out this release. Let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they have, uh, or they'll fix the slow to launch issue in snap packages the first week of release or maybe second, okay? That sounds great, but they put it out the door with that problem right from the ISO. They have created another reputation issue and it'd be hard enough for them to, you know, get snap packages in the reputation fixed now. It's really going to be hard now that an LTS release has slow software that clearly has a problem. And I th- I feel like that's going to make people dislike Snap packages more. So at this point, I am going to predict that in two years, they're going to sink to Flatpak. I hope so. <laughs> and, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I have been a defender of Snap packages for a long time. I do feel the technology is good other than, you know, the fact that you can't have your own repository. It has to be the one. Um, it's a walled garden. And the fact that apps launch slowly. But other than that, like if they would fix those issues, I feel like Snap Packages would be such a great technology. I totally understand why they did this. And I feel like their mind was in the right place. But the way that it worked out has just caused a lot of frustration. And I feel like if they would have held the technology back longer and kind of perfected it better before releasing it, I don't know if half as many people would be complaining about it now as they are. And here we are with a new five-year release. that uses snap packages. It'll be very interesting to see how this plays out for sure.
0: Yeah. I'm, like <laughs> I said, I'm just actively avoiding them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And that seems to be the mentality for most people. Um, and that's okay because if you install something on your machine, um, you know, you can remove it if you want. Um, I feel like it's this big tug of war match because canonical is a company so to be completely fair even though people don't want to hear this they could do with ubuntu as they please i'm not saying they should make bad decisions but when you use a distribution that is you know made by a company and has company backing you have to expect company shenanigans you just have to because companies are going to be companies and they're going to make bad decisions so it's interesting when people say you know they're using ubuntu but then they're upset at Ubuntu for the snap packages. And then I'm thinking, well, you decided to use a distribution that's backed by a company. If you feel that strongly about a company's decisions, you probably should be using Debian, to be honest. But um, it is what it is. But at the same time, you know, Canonical has the right to push snap packages. And then you as the user, you have a right to purge it. Yeah. I mean, fair is fair, right?
0: Simple. Simple as that. (laughs) And so, in the big picture, don't don't let anyone, and I've seen someone comment about being, you know, newer to the linux world uh these are some nuanced things and shouldn't overall impact your desire to get started in linux or used as a reason not to get into linux pick a distro stick with it ubuntu is not a bad distro for people getting started it's still where i tell a lot of people to get started because you're it's not because i think it's the best distro ever as much as it's got a really popular user base it's easy to find and search and uh the things you're looking for or Papa West, because it's based on a bunch yeah. of, so an error you find or a challenge you may have setting something up in Pop OS, generally speaking is going to translate easily to that copy paste into Google and find an answer to your problem. That's a huge, uh, you know, advantage because you're going to have the, as a new person starting out, you're going to have seen questions. A lot of other people have. So uh, don't, yeah. You know, Jay not liking the gnome in uh, forty one three quarters is not a reason not to use Ubuntu still as your starting right. point.
1: <laughs> and I think, and I think that's a good thing that you brought that up because there's going to be a lot of people that really don't care about Franken Gnome. Like they, it's just like it works. They have a file manager. They they can get to their browser. They can open up the a terminal, get their work done, or whatever it is they do. Um, they don't care, right? I think a lot of people won't care about that. So, the my criticism of the gnome implementation is not aligned with the user so much because a lot of users won't care. It's more along the lines of the community and the harm that it might do because it is going to cause more confusion. Because if you think about it, if someone uses you know Ubuntu with GNOME 42, then they decide to try out Fedora with GNOME 42, they're going to probably think, why is it? why why are these features so different between them when they're supposed to be the exact same software base? And that's going to cause a confusion. So that's really where my problem is, is that this isn't going to help anybody. And I also feel like the the reasons why Canonical did this doesn't add up because other distributions have no problem whatsoever implementing all of GNOME 42, including Fedora. So whatever problem they think they have, I just don't really feel like it holds any water. But uh, you're right. The average person uses it, they're going to like it. And I'll say that Ubuntu still has among the best hardware compatibility of any Linux distribution on the planet, period. Like like I see people saying, I use Debian. That's great. Um, You are going to have a much higher chance on Debian of having incompatible hardware because they do... The worst job of um, actually supporting hardware of any distro whereas ubuntu does the best which is kind of weird but if if debian works in your hardware you're gonna love it because it's so fantastic like debian is just wonderful like the like everything about it like that's my only complaint is hardware support and the only thing better than hardware support on ubuntu is going to be pop os because they take what ubuntu has already done then they give you like additional features like custom NVIDIA drivers, like yes. a custom NVIDIA version altogether. So gaming works better on it. Um, they have additional hardware support on top of it. So I would say Pop! OS is number one when it comes to hardware compatibility. Um, Ubuntu is number two, and that's still the case now. So here I am complaining about Snap packages and um GNOME 42. But if you don't care about that Franken-Gnome thing and you just you know, remove the snap package for Firefox, you can literally just download the tarball of Firefox from Mozilla directly and fix that problem instantaneously, like done. Like not only is it going to fix the problem, but if you download the tarball from Mozilla and run that, you will get updates straight from Mozilla the minute that Firefox is released. And you don't even have to wait for a package manager to update. So you could argue that that's just a better solution in general for Firefox.
0: You know, it's one of the things I do use Chrome for my business, and I like the fact that I'm getting the Chrome updates because they are necessary. And the same thing with Firefox, your browser is how you're interfacing. You know, Mm -hmm. the Internet has got lots of threats and lots of them are embedded in web pages. The most likely and common way these exploits are uh, moving towards getting exploited is through you know anything they can get you to download and run, something in a browser, maybe a flaw on a page. So these are pretty real threats. So I always think of browsers as something that just has such a high attack surface. You have to keep them up to date. And both Firefox and Chrome have been really good at doing this and keeping those updates rolling. So you want to make sure you don't lose that connectivity on there. Because whether you're yep. using Windows or Linux, that still is the big threat surface that you know is common across both platforms. Now, granted, for Linux, if the threat th- threat actors are getting in, um, they're generally looking for Windows execution environment. But it's not to say they couldn't do something for Linux if there's a flaw in the browser that allows them in. So keeping that up to date is hugely key to seeing staying safe. My suggestion
1: for um, Firefox for those of you that want to do this, I might make a video about this. I'm not sure yet. Um, is to download the tarball. And yeah, that gives you the ability to update directly from Mozilla. But what I recommend doing is um, doing a ch-own on that entire Firefox folder, make it owned by root, but you're running it as your user, not root. And, and that does disable the ability for it to automatically update. But you could just chown own it back to your user, update it, and then ch-own it back to root because if something did get into the browser, you really wouldn't want the browser running as your user because if the browser, all the files of the browser are owned by the same user running it, and that user gets something in there, then obviously somebody could just start replacing files. But if you make it owned by root when you're running it, then you're basically adding a layer of protection. And when Mozilla says, hey, we have a new version, then you just ch-own um, the whole thing, make it owned by your user, update it, then switch it back. It's probably the most secure way to run it. Plus, it you, you avoid that snap problem with it loading um, really slowly. So, In that case, that could be the best solution for most people, I think.
0: Yeah, but then people won't update it. That's that's why I'm not gonna say that's best. Yeah because once you oh. say i got to see it shown it back and forth now we got now we've gotten off topic.
1: <laughs> That's true. Yeah, No, know you you're right cuz updates are always a, a problem, aren't they? But I think the bigger problem could be the fact that i'm noticing that as my hair becomes more and more gray, i'm becoming more moody about silly changes. <laughs> so yeah. the problem might not be canonical at all. It could just be me. Wait, we um, becoming,
0: and... We're becoming those older grumpy tech people. <laughs> yeah,
1: i hate that. Um But to be fair, though, I think the average person will probably like Ubuntu 22.04 a lot. It's just the people that are more experienced and they understand the Linux community and the different components and things. I feel like that's where they're going to start to um, have some dislike for it if they're at that level of experience. But the average person, they'll probably say, what is Jay saying? This desktop is awesome. Um, That's probably going to be their opinion.
0: Absolutely. But, you know,
1: I, think, I, think it's, I think the takeaway here is it's going to be a mixed opinion release as it has been for several releases now. So I don't really think that's going to be all that different.
0: But we will keep using it. We still we aren't moving <laughs> we aren't moving back to Windows in case anyone's wondering.
1: <laughs> no, we're not doing that. I mean, it is the case, like I sometimes think about if um I get to the point where Ubuntu is too much, what would I move to? And it might even be Debian because i know how to work around the bad hardware compatibility that it has and i i have everything written down all the commands and things i can copy and paste fix the problem within like five minutes um and as soon as you get all the drivers installed with the debian installation it's pretty darn good so um i think for now this isn't enough to make me just abandon ubuntu um i still like the platform a lot i just feel like um, I just hope they can just get everything resynchronized and, and back to some sort of consistency because I think it really does benefit from consistency, even if users don't always notice that.
0: Yeah. So the full review will be out tomorrow. Uh, yep. Is that when you plan on having that release, Jay?
1: Yep. It's 90% done now. So okay. literally probably an hour after we're we're done recording, it's going to be done. And all I have to do is check it against the final release. So I'm just going to hit that button when I know everything um, that I say is true, then it's still true. Then I just hit the button. And you guys will see that review and I will have an installation walkthrough for those that have never seen that process before. And I'll probably have some additional Ubuntu 2204 videos coming as well. So there's going to be no shortage of videos and yeah, it starts tomorrow. So definitely stay
0: tuned for that. You can download Ubuntu tomorrow and you can watch Jay's video tomorrow so you can install it while watching Jay's video.
1: And then not install it after you hear what happens. I'm just joking. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> don't
0: do that. It's
1: fine. Don't worry, guys. It's totally fine. I'm just complaining today. Um, they are legitimate complaints, but they don't affect everyone. Some people don't care. But um, what I would say is this use it yourself and come to your own opinion. Don't take my oh, yeah. opinion for it. Don't take anyone else's opinion for it. Don't take the opinion in the review as gospel. Download it yourself. And come up with your own opinion. I think that's the best thing anybody can do. And especially when it comes to Linux, just download it.
0: Absolutely. To start playing, we still encourage, uh, this is not to discourage anyone from trying it, that's for sure. So, all right. This has been episode 53 that should have been about DNS, but instead was about Ubuntu
1: yep yep we missed see we missed episode 42 doing something with that um and and now 53 so the next episode number that stands out we're gonna have to really do something for it
0: um (laughs) 123 that'll be time for a good episode number right yeah
1: (laughs) yeah that that was a that was a good dad joke
0: there there we Um, go (laughs) hey ntp (laughs) jokes are all about the timing that's what
1: you said (laughs) in the video yep
0: yep (laughs) Go watch my April Fool's video if you haven't seen it yet. Yes, it's always DNS. All right, well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. And uh, for those of you that will see us in person, me and Jay will both be at PenguinCon. We have a few talks we're doing um, and everything else. So uh, if you see us there, come say hi. All right, take care, everyone. Later.